Hello everyone, this is Timothy. Welcome to the Condition Thought Factory. And I'm here on the most democratic podcasting platform in existence, Anchor. And I'm happy to be with you. Um, I should have had been doing a podcast earlier in the week, but I've been shifting around a lot of things. And... Um, so I'm here and I'm going to try to reformat and I'll explain what I'm going to be doing, hopefully going forward in a minute. But first I have to say, if you want to support this podcast, you can make a direct donation or become a sponsor. And I thank you and appreciate it if you do that. Now, I um, there was a platform that I've been making classes for, courses for. It's been going okay, you know, get a few hits, a few students, a few dollars here, a few dollars there. And I tried to do a course on Malcolm X. Now they're telling me, um, oh, they banned the course. They wouldn't um they wouldn't allow it to go forward. And they're saying that I had to fill out an affidavit proving that all the courses are my work. So either Malcolm X is one of those people that you have to get permission from his estate to do something or this platform is just doesn't want the course to go forward. But either way, I say, well, you know what? I'm going to start putting a lot of my stuff on my Patreon, including those courses. And I've been thinking about it because I have things on different platforms. I've been thinking about consolidating them, and, and Patreon is the best place to consolidate them because you can do all kinds of things on Patreon, right? You could do audio, video, text, image. Um, so I figured I'd do that, and then I thought about the podcast. And when I when I always wanted to do a podcast, I wanted to have people on guests, and I said, you know, eh, damn, man, I. I wanted to have what they would call everyday people, but the people around me, they don't want to really do it. People are busy. So once again, can't get any support from the community. So I said, all right. And I said, I'll do one myself and talk about my thoughts. But then I said, Tim, you're so silly. Everyone that you admire or that you care care for as far as admire and admire the way they think, they've either written books or they've been written about. So I said, well, you can have any guests you want on at least their thoughts. And I said, okay, that's what I'm going to do. So what I'll do is I'll read because I used to make videos where I'm just reading, reading from text to Folks give people exposure to to different texts and books and to both prove that the ideas I have aren't weird, they aren't crazy, they come from somewhere. And I think what has happened with social media is a lot of people just are throwing opinions out there. And some opinions are so unrealistic and we've been living in such a state of unreality for so long for decades that 
when you say something real, it sounds like it's insane. Right? It's like, what is the old saying when all people did was live in a cave and look at shadows on the wall, but then when one person goes outside the cave and comes back in and tells everyone what's outside, they say, ah, oh, this guy's nuts. <laughs> Throw him back outside. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to just do that on the podcast. I'm going to read from text, tell you my thoughts on what I read, read from people and their thoughts, and tell you what I read. So, I'm going to start out with um, somebody <clears throat> who I like, and this was recommended to me. <clears throat> the one thing you do when you're a scholar, you go to other scholars, older scholars if you can find any. I'm getting to be 50, and as a black man, it's not a lot of black men older than me or black women older than me. There's black women older than me, um, but there's not a lot of scholars in our community. It's just something that doesn't pay well. The community doesn't value. So you don't see a lot of us. And so it's difficult the older you get to find one. But years ago, this one older scholar gave me a reading list. I begged him, begged him, begged him for a reading list. He finally gave me a reading list. And um, some deep, really good stuff. And one of the books he told me about was Custer Die for Your Sins. Vine Deloria Jr., right? Great Native American activist, indigenous activist. They like to be called different things. Um, and I'm going to read from his book, and I want to read about humor. There's a chapter called Indian Humor, because we know natives are connected to the earth and the planet in the way that most indigenous people were but not too much anymore. And we know that these people can be spiritual. We know that they can be political. But we don't often hear about their humor. And so I wanted to do that. So I'll be reading from this and then talking. So let me take a breath, take some water, and then I can begin. All right. Indian humor. One of the best ways to understand a people is to know what makes them laugh. Laughter encompasses the limits of the soul. In humor, life is redefined and accepted. Irony and satire provide much keener insights into a group's collective psyche and values than do years of research. It has always been a great disappointment to Indian people that the humorous side of Indian life has not been mentioned by professed experts on Indian affairs. Rather, the image of the granite-faced, grunting redskin has been perpetuated by American mythology. People have little sympathy with stolid groups. Dick Gregory did much more than is believed when he introduced humor into the civil rights struggle. He enabled non-blacks to enter into the thought world of the black community and experience the hurt it suffered. When all people shared the humorous but ironic situation of the black, the urgency and morality of civil rights was 
communicated. The Indian people are exactly opposite of the popular stereotype. I sometimes wonder how anything is accomplished by Indians because of the apparent overemphasis on humor within the Indian world. Indians have found the humorous side of nearly every problem and the experiences of life have generally been so well defined through jokes and stories that they have become a thing in themselves. For centuries before the white invasion, teasing was a method of control of social situations by Indian people. Rather than embarrass members of the tribe publicly, people used to tease individuals they considered out of step with the consensus of tribal opinion. In this way, egos were preserved and disputes within the tribe of a personal nature were held to a minimum. Gradually, people learned to anticipate teasing and began to tease themselves as a means of showing humility and at the same time advocating a course of action they deeply believed in. Men would depreciate their, their feats to show they were not trying to run roughshod over tribal desires. This method of behavior served to highlight their true virtues and gain them a place of influence in tribal policy-making circles. Humor has come to occupy such a prominent place in national Indian affairs that any kind of movement is impossible without it. Tribes are being brought together by sharing humor of the past. Columbus jokes gain great sympathy about among all tribes, yet there are no tribes extant who had anything to do with Columbus. But the fact of the white invasion from which all tribes have suffered has created a common bond in relation to Columbus jokes that gives a solid feeling of unity and purpose to the tribes. The more desperate the problem, the more humor is directed to describe it. Satirical remarks often circumscribe problems so that possible solutions are drawn from the circumstances that would not make sense if presented in other than any other than a humorous form. Um, often people are awakened and brought to a militant edge through funny remarks. I often counsel people to run for the Bureau of Indian Affairs in case of an earthquake because nothing could shake the BIA. And I would watch a younger Indians set their jaws determined that they, if nobody else, would shake it. We also had a saying that in case a, a fire call, in case of fire, call the BIA and they would handle it because they put a wet blanket on everything. This also got a warm reception from people. Columbus and Custer jokes are the best for penetration into the heart of the matter, however. Rumor has it that Columbus began his journey with four ships, but one went over the edge, so he arrived in the New World with only three. Another version states that Columbus didn't know where he was going, didn't know where he had been, and did, and did it all on someone else's money, and the white man has been following Columbus ever since. It is said that when Columbus landed, one Indian turned to another and said, well, there goes the neighborhood. Another version has two Indians watching Columbus land and one saying to the other, maybe if we leave them alone, 
they will go away. A favorite cartoon in Indian country a few years back showed a flying saucer landing while an Indian watched. The caption was, oh no, not again. <laughs> so, <coughs> that's just a little bit from um, Custard Dante Ascends. And I'll just read a little bit from each book I have or books I like about people I like, I love. And um, I got to say, humor does play a very important role in the black community. And that's coming out. Well, one thing, one of the things it does is it helps you work through your pain. It helps you laugh. It helps you to say, well, you know, though life is serious, we still have to find room to laugh. And the natives are going through so much. Um, forget COVID, which is horrible to them, as it is to the black community. Just trying to get sovereignty, trying to deal with life on the res, always being pushed to the worst land. And when the minerals are found on the land, even when it's bad, 20 years later, minerals are found, you got to move again. And not having the power to really fight back because say what you want but white supremacy has the best militaries going and war is what they do and war is not really a natural state for human beings that's why we don't really like it it's very rare that you have human beings that actually like war or get into it or want to fight it right so it's good that, you know, you, you hear the humor and you know that they have humor. Now, the weird thing that has happened in the black community in the last 50 years is, like I said, we used to have space for our best and brightest, our writers, our thinkers, always up into the 70s. If you look at the Black Panthers, those were deep thinkers creating community things. We had comedians. We had all of these things, but when the government destroyed the Black Panthers and killed them in such a brutal way after killing all the other people in the 60s, I think that our community just turned to entertainers as their leaders. White supremacy said, fine, we'll let the entertainers be the leaders or the athletes be the leaders because... No matter how deep a thinker an athlete is, they're not going to be as deep a thinker as a scholar because that's what he does. Like a scholar can play basketball or sports or tell jokes all day. They'll never be what a comedian is. There's a certain craft. There's a certain talent to it. It's a certain mastery to it that, that those people have. Now, this year you're seeing a lot of entertainers trying to be leaders in the black community. Rappers, comedians. But what we need are like, you know, one comedian actually admitted, where's our sociologists? Where's our educators? Well, we have them. They're there. I'm, I'm reading from them and watching them all the time on the Internet, on YouTube and things like that. But our community really doesn't support those people. So I would say if white people want to help natives um, and really want to help black people 
they would help their scholars. Okay, that's 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 one thing. And they would help the comedians and the satirists because satire is something when you make it a comment on um society using humor, which is kind of scholarly. So even in that, take your satirist, but just your basic want to laugh, want to make jokes, want to yuck, yuck, and just make people feel good for the moment. That has its place, but that doesn't last long. And if you notice, it's always those ones that kind of get more supported. So I, I would hope that, I don't know if natives do this, but I know in the black community we do it. And I let's support our more, the more thoughtful, the better. That's why I created the thought, the thought factory. Uh, I'm almost, I always look to the natives too to say is, is one thing. If they can survive, then we can survive. Um, but also as a cautionary tale that I, some estimates say they went from 250 million down to three. And as black Americans, we're about 30, 40 million were. And I think we could easily go to three. If we don't take better care of ourselves and learn from the natives, how they deal with land, learn from the natives, how they laugh at each other and with each other, learn from the natives and how they see how ridiculous this society is. Um, whereas black people usually think this society is more serious than it is. It's absurd. And I've noticed that even when I was young, but it's so much horrors that you see as a black boy growing up, especially you move to the hood. You grew up in the hood during the crack era. So much horrors. But you you, you forget just how <coughs> ridiculous it all is. For example, I saw a homeless person sleeping outside of a storefront that was it was empty. And it said space for rent. And this person had their mattress, their, their blankets down, not a mattress, but a blankets down. They had their area carved out. And I said, well, that doesn't make sense that he's sleeping right. I mean, right up against a place, a space that's empty inside. He could have been indoors. And it was kind of chilly on this day. And I said, that's just absurd. And the fact that we can't see the absurdity in that. The ridiculousness in that is crazy. See, group of homeless people, you walk three blocks, there's empty apartments. Absurd. Always been absurd to me. Um, that's one of the obvious things. Another thing is, there's enough resources for everyone. We waste... Um, I think years ago, it used to be 40 tons of food a year. But I think in the United States, that's, it's been reduced because we have a lot more pantries, food pantries, and trying to redistribute the food much better. But we waste tons of food, and people still go to bed hungry in this country. Absurd. It's ridiculous. It doesn't even make sense. And so when you see things like that, I just you just got to laugh. Sometimes people, to actually, what are you laughing at? I'm just like, it's just all so ridiculous. <clears throat> what else can you do? You can't even be mad at it because it's so 
silly some of the things that we do. Let me get some water. So, um, I enjoy reading about natives. I enjoy watching natives. Um, I, I listen to John Kane sometimes and um, his work. And I like to know what's going on in, in, in the native community, how they're thinking, how he's thinking. He's a little radical even inside the native community. So <coughs> it's good to see someone um, like that. It's good to listen to, the, to them because they were here for a long time. They were here from the beginning. And it's good to know what the indigenous and the natives thinking and know because they're connected in a way that we won't be no matter how many generations we stay or have been here. I hope you enjoyed. That was Vine Deloria Jr. Cuss to die for your sins. <coughs> and I hope you enjoyed this format. I think this will be the format going forward. I'm so excited because I have so many more guests I'm going to have, more thought or thoughts from the people. And basically, we are what our thoughts are. So I'm I'm really, really happy that I stumbled upon this format. Tell me if you enjoy it. And again, if you like what I'm doing, if you like it, um, donate directly. Anchor gave me that capability or... Um, become a, an, um, how do you call it? A supporter, an advertiser, right? It's not advertiser. I'm forgetting. I'm having a brain fart on the word, <coughs> but you can do that. Sponsor. See? Sponsor. So become a sponsor or di donate directly and... We can keep going and keep moving forward. I um, want to say again, <clears throat> I appreciate, got to be careful when you cough these days, but there's something, my throat is dry. Um, I want to say, well, I want to say, now that I have a dry throat, stay hydrated even when it's cold, please. And... Um, I want to say thank you to the most democratic podcasting platform in existence, Anchor. I appreciate it. I also want to say thank you to you for listening. And I will see you next time on the Condescent Thought Factory. And until then, stay safe. Please stay safe. And vote because it's the least you can do. And... Remember that there are more than two parties in our society. Look down the ballots, please. Just look and recognize that. <clears throat> uh, and until then, take care of yourselves, be safe, and be well. <laughs>